The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. It is June 27th. We are going to be talking about why the Packers youth movement is a success no matter what. We're also going to talk about the confidence that the Packers players are showing in Jordan Love already. We're going to also get into the debate of can you be a Giannis fan and not a Bucks fan. We'll talk about that. And we'll do a check-in on Marquette Summer. Great piece written on The Athletic. I want to dive into that. So a packed show because this is going to be my last uh, solo show for the week. Uh, Keg Jams tomorrow with Shannon. We're doing Summerfest. We're going to do some Bucks free agency stuff. We're going to do more free agency stuff with Mitch on Thursday. And then we'll take Friday off. We'll let the dust settle. We know a lot's going to happen free agency-wise. And then on Saturday, Mitch and I will do a pod in the morning reacting to all that happened Friday night. So that's what you have to look forward to. If something crazy were to happen Thursday night, uh, let's say Drew Holiday got traded, let's say Bobby Portis got traded, I will be there as doing a solo show for for the people because that is the type of guy I am. Uh, So there will at least be something for you. If major news breaks, that is a promise. That is a tapping the keg guarantee. The least you can do to return that favor is follow me along on social media. Tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok and Facebook. Uh, If you are a boomer, Uh, we also would love you to subscribe on Apple, on Spotify, uh, Overcast, Google, wherever else you get your podcast you should make sure that you're subscribed. If you're already doing that, you know what to do. Drop that in the group chat. I think this is a great group chat discussion about why the Packer youth youth movement is going to be a good thing no matter how the season ends up. And we're gonna get into that right about now. There was a lot of discussion today about the the youth of the Green Bay Packers, especially in the wide receiver and running back and quarterback room overall, just overall together. Uh, Besides Jordan Love, that is going to be the story. Jordan Love is obviously going to be 1A, but 1B is going to talk about how the Packers have a lot of youth all over the offensive skill positions. It is pretty much unheard of of what the Green Bay Packers are doing at this time. The Green Bay Packers would be the youngest wide receiver core in modern NFL history, is what was sold by Bill Barnwell of ESPN.com today, which is absolutely wild to think about, that there has been no team that has been younger than the Green Bay Packers. Barnwell points out that they are even younger than the 2017 0-16 Cleveland Browns. Now, for some, that would raise red flags. But for me, I look at it as a huge window of opportunity. Yes, this team is young, but they are extremely talented. They have talent oozing out of this roster, whether it's Christian Watson, whether it's Romeo Dobbs, whether it's Luke Musgrave, whether it's Tucker Craft, whether it's Josiah DeGuerra, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, All of these guys are very talented. And most of these guys, besides Aaron Jones, is a top 64 pick, as pointed out by Pete Bukowski uh, earlier today. And the only teams that have top 64 picks playing for them at all four quarterback, tight end, running back, and wide receiver position are the Packers and the Steelers. The Bears would actually qualify for that. 
if Chase Claypool wasn't a or was a draft pick of the Bears, but he's not. He's a draft pick of the Steelers, coincidentally enough. The Packers have one of the best young offensive rosters in all of the NFL. And I'm saying that without knowing how talented they are. So maybe I should rephrase and say they have a chance to be that. They have a chance to have the building blocks of what could be one of the next great offenses in the NFL. Now, do we know if it's going to work? No. Originally, when I was going to do this segment, I was going to say reasons why you know it could work and it could you know be the best thing that happened in Green Bay and why it's going to fail and why it might not work. But I thought about it and I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter if Green Bay is awesome and Green Bay is a 9 to 11 win team and they win the NFC North or if the Packers take a step back, they win five games and they're drafting in the first 10 picks of the NFL draft next season. Because here's the thing, these guys will all have experience to bounce back very quickly next year. This is not something where the Packers are headed to the dark ages. Even if Jordan Love is not good, you can definitely draft a replacement if you have a top 10 pick next year. You have guys like Jordan Travis. Or you have guys like Drake May is probably going to be a top two pick. But still, you might have the guys to move up to get a guy like Drake May. You might have that ability to say, hey, we'll trade you David Bakhtiari and we'll move up to that second pick and we'll trade our 10 and whatever it may be, right? The Packers are going to have the ability to control, I think, the draft board next season if they do tank and get the quarterback that they want to compete with Jordan Love. Now, do I think the lease should be that short for Love? Maybe not, but it's definitely going to be part of the discussion if the Packers struggle and it's on the shoulders of Jordan Love. Now, if everybody gets hurt around Jordan Love, which has happened before to Aaron Rodgers, I don't know how much of that we can blame on Jordan Love. I think there will be a ton of discussion and a ton of discourse on that very topic. But if these guys all stay relatively healthy, you can't expect everybody to play every game, but if they they are able to stay relatively healthy as a football team, the Green Bay Packers have a chance to build table stakes for years to come. They, this is a this is the start of something special. And the reason why I look at the Packers as a potential playoff team really doesn't have anything to do with, you know, the talent on this roster. It's more looking around the NFC. It's a barren wasteland. I've compared it to the old NBA Eastern Conference. It is not very good. There is a significant drop-off after the Philadelphia Eagles, the Seattle Seahawks, and the San Francisco 49ers. I still put the 49ers there, even without their quarterback, because they are so fucking talented everywhere else that you cannot ignore that. Dallas Cowboys might also be in that tier, but the drop-off is so significant that who knows what could pop out, and the Green Bay Packers might be one of those teams. And would I like to see them add a veteran at some point? Sure. I think it's a little bit rushed for everybody to just say, oh, this team's going to be one of the youngest in football. We are unsure if this is going to work. They, you know, they're younger than the tanking, the 0-16 Browns. What does that say? Is this really a rebuild? All this other bullshit narratives that are going to come with realizing that we still have a month before training camp, right? We are still a month away from everybody reporting to Green Bay, Wisconsin. 
DeAndre Hopkins' value is probably as low as it's it's been, right? Uh, you have other veteran receivers like a Jarvis Landry that's out there and available. You have guys that maybe become available as training camp starts where you know their role isn't what they thought it was. There's a chance to bring in a veteran wide receiver still. There's a chance to bring in a veteran tight end, right? I think it's more likely it's a veteran wide receiver than a tight end, but that is still on the table. That cannot be ignored, right? That cannot be forgotten that it's not like we're playing football Sunday. Like we're not getting ready for Packers Bears this Sunday. Although I would take it. I think anyone would, right? But we're, we're not getting ready. So this, this roster is going to change. Injuries are going to happen. Uh, you know, players are going to have good training camps and rise up sort of from the ashes and be a guy. And there will be people who have bad training camps and they're kind of buried on the depth chart at least to start the season. Nothing is decided at this point. I understand that Bill Barnwell has a job to do at ESPN and he is pushing out clicks. And this is something that not only me and any other local podcaster for whatever team it may be is talking about, but it's something First Take can talk about. It's something that, uh, you know, Get Up can talk about and that we're in this weird dead period for basically a week until we get NBA free agency. Then NBA free agency happens. That's another two to three weeks of content. And before you fucking know it, we're back to football and we're doing training camp. So I understand that there is a, a job to do. And I, I don't mean to sidetrack, but I, I think it it's worth acknowledging that this might not be the, the full version of this Packer offense. But if it is, if Green Bay decides, you know what, we aren't going to draft, we're not going to get any veterans and we're going to purely experiment with a very young, talented team on paper, right? The talent part is on paper. I think talent on the field, we know with Christian Watson. I think we know with Aaron Jones. I think A.J. Dillon, while took a step back last year, I still see talent with A.J. Dillon. I think Josiah Daguerre was underutilized. I think he was on Aaron Rodgers' shit list. I'm a little higher on Josiah Daguerre than maybe some others are. And then for the rookies, they, you know, they're drafted in the second and third round for a reason. Luke Musgrave has talent. Tucker Craft has talent. Jaden Reed has talent. There are guys like Dontravian Wicks, who I think is really good, even though he's a fifth round pick. Uh, Samari Torre showed some flashes in his first year out of Nebraska. And he was a seventh round pick. There are, there's a ton of opportunity here on this football field. And I think they're guys are extremely hungry to take advantage of it. And I think Jordan Love is the right kind of quarterback to foster healthy competition in training camp. And I think that is only going to make this team stronger. I think that there is a overwhelming amount of confidence with the Green Bay Packers right now. It feels like the Green Bay Packers have never sounded, like they're just, it's very unique. It's different from what we've heard in the past. I'm gonna to touch on that here very shortly. But the Green Bay Packers youth movement is not something that should scare you. It's something that should excite you. It's something that should get you fired up for the next generation of Packer football. Is it going to be rainbows and unicorns for the entire year? Absolutely not. But let me be honest with you. Was 2022 that great of an experience? 2022 was dragging your dick through glass. It was not fun. After that Giants game, that basically sort of everything changed. 
Like that is the moment where everything changed. If Aaron Rodgers does not play against the New York Jets, I think this season is a lot different. I do. But I, I'm steadfast in the belief, and I was a Rodgers guy. I still love Aaron Rodgers. He's a weirdo. I think there's part of the reason that hard knocks, they don't want, the Jets don't want it is because they don't want Aaron Rodgers to get even more exposed. I don't think Rodgers wants to do it at all. I think Rodgers is pushing you know, against doing hard knocks, even though they might not have a choice. Uh, but to that aside... I think Aaron Rodgers didn't want to want to come out of games because he knew if Jordan Love came in and he, he's awesome that it would raise it, you know hell and brim, you know it would have just been this dent to Aaron Rodgers' ego. Aaron Rodgers did not want to give Jordan Love any sort of room to grow. He didn't want to have Jordan Love sort of rise from the ashes almost and be like, I am just as good as twelve. And have debates about Rodgers or Love. Not that we probably should have, but you know local radio would have done that exact same thing if Jordan Love beat the New York Jets at home this season, right? Rodgers wasn't going to take the chance that Love would blow up and throw four interceptions and be and be terrible because I think Rodgers knows Love is really talented. I think he knows Jordan Love is really good. And if Jordan Love is good, and if Christian Watson keeps taking a step, I think the Romeo Dobbs stock should be sky high. If you listen to anything about OTAs this year, it seems like there is a real connection between Dobbs and Love. I'm not one to give out fantasy advice in late June, but Romeo Dobbs would be high on my draft list come you know round six, seven, maybe later. Uh, Shannon probably will fact check me on that tomorrow. But anyways, uh, it like there. There is a ton of reasons to believe in this team. Aaron Jones is a Packer for life. Aaron Jones is the leader of this football team, in my opinion, uh, more so than Bakhtiari. And I think Bakhtiari is a great leader, but Aaron Jones to me is that guy. The guy got the fucking G tatted on his knee, okay? Like he is a Packer for life, no doubt about it. And I know a tattoo could be cheesy. We saw the Darius Smith captain tattoo, but a captain tattoo is a lot different than getting the logo of a team. That guy bleeds green and gold. And so, I, and, I, and I love him for it. And I think he is going to be a stalwart for what Green Bay tries to do. So I am fired up for the youth movement. And the youth movement goes great. And we see this, you know, basically the Packers get back to the playoffs and get back to prominence a little bit, right? I feel like they everybody's sort of down on this team. They're plus 400. I haven't looked at the recent odds, but... Last check, they were plus 400 to win the NFC North. That would tell you that everybody is down on this team. There are people that think the Packers might stink. Shout out to Ben Solak. I like Ben Solak a lot, but I don't really understand where he's coming from besides, oh, they're so young and clutch, clutching our fucking pearls, just like Barnwell did. And it seems like the analytics guys are, it's breaking their brains a little bit. How can the Packers be this young and do this? Even though... Even though, pointed out by Warren Sharp today, who I'm not a huge Warren Sharp guy either, speaking of analytics dudes, like the Giants, the guys who like were top receivers for the Giants in their wins were like Richie James, Darius Slayton, and a few others. And somehow they're receiving and running backs and tight ends are fucking better than the Packers. And I realize I got Darren Waller, but the Packers also tried to get Darren Waller once upon a time. It didn't work. But still, like besides the point, like, I mean, I don't know. Like Darren Waller really going to be that much of a difference maker. I mean, the guy can't stay healthy for, for the life of him. But that's, again, another story for, for another time. I have the utmost faith in this. And I'm really excited to see it. 
and it could go in a hundred different directions. You know, I, my wife sometimes rags on me that I watch too much sports because I watch it all. It's not just one, it's not just one team. It's every team, right? And I told her like, this could be a different Packer year. It could be a year where, you know, you're not as dialed in as you've been in the past because they're two and eight and they're two and nine. Now, do I think that's possible? Not really. Uh, I mean, we could do that as a segment of could they suck, could they not? But I, I think the youth movement is going to be a really good thing for Green Bay, even if they're five and twelve, right? Even if they're five and twelve, I think it still builds for next year and the year after, and those are the those are the years, those are the big years. Because you go five and twelve this year, and then you go five and twelve again, then something's wrong. But if you go five and twelve this year, and then you go twelve and five the next year, and you get close to the Super Bowl or you get to the Super Bowl, kind of in the same vein as Aaron Rodgers, that's that's a major. Actually, Rodgers two years, so yeah, you get to the playoffs, and then the next year you get to the Super Bowl and you win it. You'll take that every day of the year. So I think you should get excited about this Packers team. I think they are hungry. I don't think that they care that they're the youngest. And they're, they're ready to surprise some people. Kind of to that point, uh, Elton Jenkins and Aaron Jones both sort of interesting comments on the state of the Packers, of Jordan Love in general. Elton Jenkins was on Good Morning Football and he talked about you know the approach that Jordan Love sort of brought to practices every game and that Jordan Love acted like a starter and that he really has the composure. He has sort of the mindset to be an NFL quarterback. And I think if you talk to any of these NFL players or you listen to any podcast where an NFL player is on, they know if a guy's a guy's a dude day one. A credit to me for not calling him a dog. Uh, but they know, right? Like they PMT asked George Kittle that. Last Friday, they're like, when do you know a guy's, they use the cliche dog, but they're like, when do you know a guy's a dog? Do you know right away? And Kittle was like, yeah, you kind of do. And there's many other examples where you know if quarterback's great day one, and you know like, all right, this guy has it or this guy doesn't. And something changed with Jordan Love under Tom Clements. Remember, this cannot be ignored. That Tom Clements came out of retirement to coach Aaron Rodgers last year, kind of to keep Aaron Rodgers happy. Tom Clements is still coaching the Packers with Jordan Love. If Tom Clements, who's pretty talented at this, didn't believe in Jordan Love, he wouldn't be here. So just keep that in the back of your head. And I think Elton Jenkins wasn't the only one to say very complimentary things recently about Jordan Love. He is not alone in that. This from Aaron Jones. And I I don't even really know where this quote came from. The Packers tweeted out today and said, unwavering support for Jordan Love. And here's what Aaron Jones said. He did it the right way. He waited his time and you never heard one peep or complaint out of him. We all love Jordan here. And he has our everyone's full respect and we're gonna lay it all out on the line for him. When have you heard the Packers talk about that with their quarterback? When? I think people have talked about how much they like playing with Aaron. I think there are so many guys who respect what Aaron Rodgers is. But I think there is a new culture building around the Packers. I think there is a different feeling around Green Bay 
that hasn't really been felt in a very long time, maybe since the early Rodgers years. But even Jordan Love is different than early Aaron Rodgers. He's not he's not that cerebral. He's not that, you know, I think I'm kind of smarter than everybody else. He's just a guy. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. I don't mean that like he's just your random quarterback. I mean that he's a guy that you can have a beer with. He's a guy that you can talk to about things. He's a guy that's going to keep his trust in you even if shit's not going right. And it seems like everybody wants to rally around Jordan Love, that they do not want to let Jordan Love down, kind of per what Aaron Jones said. And it makes, it kind of reminds me, and, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, Tab McKegg on Twitter, Tab McKegg Sports on Instagram. It kind of reminds me of Jalen Hurts. Like it, it, it's, it's very similar to the Jalen, how people talk about Jalen Hurts in the Eagles locker room. A little bit of kind of how people talk about Mahomes and talk about Joe Burrow. Like it's very, like if you look at those quotes and then you look at these quotes and you're like, yeah, it's similar. Now, does that mean that Jordan Love's going to be that good? I don't know. But he, I, I think there's a chance. Why would they be saying this if they didn't believe in this guy? They really do. And I, I think that adds to the excitement of all of this. It adds to the excitement of all of what's to come. I, I cannot wait. I, I, I said it before here, but give me week one right now. Give me week one right freaking now, man. I will take it any day of the week. I realized that when I laid out my topics, I didn't talk at all about the Brewers. Um, and we could do a quick three things to know about the Brewers win against the New York Mets on Monday night. Uh, let's do let's do it quickly. Uh, because I, I don't want to forget about our Milwaukee Brewers again, since I won't be talking as much about them uh, this week. They are now three and one on their road trip. They have a Good win against the New York Mets, winning 2-1. to one. I would not call it a great win because the Brewers had, and we'll start with number one, 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position. It was shaping up to be a very frustrating Brewers game. And you were just one of those where they could not get a clutch hit to save their soul. And they're the second team this year in baseball to win a game without having a runner score in scoring position. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies did it earlier this year. It's the first time the Brewers have done it since 2008. So it's been a very long time. These, these aren't games you win. These are, these are kind of those games that you remember at the end of the year, right? That you look back and you say, well, because of that Mets game where all we needed was a Joey Weimer home run, we're in the playoffs or we won the division because of that game. And I, I think it's worth, it's worth remembering that. It's worth keeping that in mind about the Brewers and knowing that this game is a sort of a special victory in that sense. That said, got to be better in those moments. You can't leave that many people on the base pass. Owen Miller, I know, had a great game Sunday, but I think this is why I've had hesitations about Owen Miller because he left Ducks on the base pads. He had Luis Urias leave Ducks on base. Yeah, everybody. I mean, it really felt like every Brewer player found a way to leave somebody on base. Like it was their moral goal to leave as many as possible on the base, even though they were doing a great job against Justin Verlander. Like they chased Justin Verlander after five innings and he had pitched 100 pitches because the Brewers were working the count. 
I, I don't did I say Urias? Urias did not have a, a runner in scoring position left, but Weimer left two, Adamas left two, Winker left two, Yelich left one, Contreras left one, and Telez went one. That's that's bad stuff, man. That's that, like I said, you don't win those games usually. And so I'm very thankful the Brewers were able to get it done. Uh, as for as for another thing to know, Colin Ray really continues to be one of the unsung heroes of the Milwaukee Brewers this season. I think you could do a whole topic on unsung guys, but Colin Ray might not, it might not be the prettiest for him, but he found a way. He, you know, he's, he has a 4-5 ERA, but now he's 4-4 four and four on the year. I think he has the third most appearances of any Brewer starter behind Peralta and Corbin Burns. He, he just gets it done, and I got to eat crow a little bit. I was kind of pushing for Adrian Hauser sort of being being the guy, but Colin Ray, as long as he can avoid the big inning, similar to Peralta, he's good, and he did, and he did a great job tonight, uh, only allowing that one run and three overall hits. Those are the only three hits that the Mets would get all game. So credit to Colin Ray. Um, I, I continue to be impressed anytime that this works. Like at some point, I'm just expecting the wheels to completely come off similar to Jason Alexander last year where Alexander kind of got by smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors. And then finally it all just fucking fell apart. But maybe, maybe this is what it is for Colin Wright. Maybe it's like, as long as Colin Wright can avoid sort of the beginning and everything like that, like it, it's great. And, and he can, he can get it done. And I, I'll take that. I really will. I, and I mean, for what it's worth, Colin Ray's FIP is 4.86. His ERA is 4.88. That was before tonight. So it, he's kind of is who he is. And that that's okay. And that's that's all right. We'll take that. I do like two and a half is just Joey Weimer, big home run. It was 11th of the year. Uh, he has had moments here and there throughout the year. And I, I continue to hope that at some point it all comes together for him. Uh, still only batting 214, slugging 410. Like there, there's work to, to be done with Joey Weimer, but you just hope that at some point it all is like this cascade of awesomeness. I thought, I think we thought we'd get it, you know, early on, but it's it's still been an impressive June for him overall. It's definitely been his best month in terms of hitting uh, as a Milwaukee Brewer. Not counting today, Weimer is hitting 254 with six home runs and 18 hits in the month of May. That is, if or 19 hits, because he had it today, that ties uh, his April hit number. It's above his May number. It seems like he's figured it out more in his place. OPS is now up to, eight. was 869 for that month. So hopefully Weimer can keep it up for the remainder of said month. Last thing, Brewers bullpen continues to be solid. Hobie Milner now 14 straight appearances without allowing a run. Hobie Milner was kind of not thought, okay, hey, here's the regression, right? He was so good last year. And it's like bullpen guys just can never trust year over year. But Hobie Milner has, you know, found a way to be trusted now. And that's, that's really great. And Elvis Peguero, I know he only faced one batter in this game. He struck him out. But yeah, Elvis Peguero continues to, continues to impress as well. And let's not forget, he was part of that Hunter Renfro trade that so many of the casuals in Brewer Nation hated. Uh, but Elvis Peguero was part of that deal. And, uh, and I know that maybe there's part of Renfro's offense you would like, 
but it's clear that there was something there. I mean, I, I'm trying to look. Like, some fans know this Hunter Renfro story, and I, I tried to find it on Reddit, tried to kind of look around Twitter. I, I don't know if it's something to do with his opinions on certain things. I don't want to put any slander out there. I remember I put something about him being a clubhouse uh, problem on TikTok, and then some random account basically told me I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. And I looked at the account, and it was a private one. I was, it was almost so weird. It was so point. Oh, no, the reason why it was weird is because it, it, someone said something to me like three weeks later. And I was like, where the fuck did this come from? And so I was like, ooh, okay. So is this a burner? Like, is this like, cool? is this like Hunter's wife? Is this like a Hunter's agent? Is this Hunter himself? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if Hunter, Hunter Renfro doesn't seem like a guy who uses TikTok though. He seems like a guy who would call it the, the China app or the spy app or something like that. So I, I highly doubt it's Hunter Renfro, but it's definitely someone, I thought it was someone in his camp for sure. Uh, I, I'd have to remember the exact things that were said. But yeah, I, I know Hunter's offense would be good, but I don't think the guy was the greatest in the clubhouse. Um, and the Brewers didn't have a good clubhouse last year, and they have a good one this year. And that, I think, I know that that means nothing in the win, win and loss column, but it, it's, it, does, it does matter in the overall vibes. And, and I think having Hunter Renfro not there is, is helpful for that. All right, that was a longer than expected Brewer thing. I tried to, I tried to wrap it up. It wasn't that long, it was seven minutes, it was, it was okay. Uh, but yeah, good stuff uh, from the crew, and we'll see if they can get it done against the lefty tonight. David Peterson making the start. I don't know if he's coming off the IL or coming out of AAA uh, to make that start. Peterson got shelled by the Brewers earlier this year, but and that was where we were like, oh, maybe the Brewers have fi- fixed it against left-handers. Uh, so we'll see see what happens uh, against the lefty tonight uh, with Julio Tehran on the mound. Tehran. Being a plus dog in that matchup is very interesting, even though uh, the Brewers are so bad against left-handers. So we'll have to see about that one. All right, let's move forward with uh, the great debate that's happening in Buck's Twitter world. Uh, Twitter account, I believe it's Master Hater 420 uh, who, which it's a clear burner for somebody. I don't know who, who it's a burner for, but it's a clear burner for somebody. I think he's admitted as such but there was a debate, uh, poll question of, are you a Giannis fan or are you a Bucks fan? And the split was like 48-52 to Bucks fans versus Giannis fans. That number is surprising and it's not surprising at the same time. The LeBron culture, as pointed out by my guy Shafty, who had a, a great Great tweet on this that I, I, I want to read out loud for the people uh, who we, we, t- we do we do reference Shafty Boy every now and again. But as he said, being a singular fan is fucking lame as shit, LOL. It's lame when LeBron fans do it. It's lame when KD fans do it. It's lame when Giannis fans do it. You are not a sports fan. You are a celebrity fan. You are a Swifty. You are the male version of a teenage girl screaming outside of a hotel. That is harsh, but that is true. I, I absolutely agree with that. I don't usually like to fan gatekeep. I think it's wrong, right? I'm the same person who could talk about Marquette basketball and Wisconsin football on a podcast and feel, feel good about it, right? But there are friends of mine who are Marquette Marquette basketball fans, I almost said Marquette football, Marquette basketball fans who would kill me for that, who would say, what the fuck? Like, I'm not, you can't do that. That is not allowed. 
I don't really give a fuck. And I've talked about that in the past. And and there are probably Badger fans too who say, well, you can't cheer for Marquette basketball. What are you doing? I go to the beat of my own drum. So I'm sure there are Giannis fans that are like, well, hey, why can't I just be a Giannis fan? I love Giannis. You have to love the team he cheers for. You, you just do. You have to be a Bucks fan first. And if you latch on to Giannis because you love the story, because you love the type of player he is, because you love the way he plays, I understand that. I get that. And you can cheer for those guys. I cheer for guys all the time. I love Joe Burrow. Now, I cashed a Heisman ticket for Joe Burrow. I cashed an LSU national championship ticket. So I have a special place in my heart for Joe Burrow. That said, I really like the guy. I cheer for, for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. I like watching the Bengals play. I like the Bengals succeeding, but when they're not playing the Green Bay Packers. When the Packers were playing the Bengals, was that last year or two years ago? I think it was two years ago. I was cheering for the Green Bay fucking Packers. If the Packers would have met him in the Super Bowl, I would have cheered for the Green Bay Packers. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, even though I like Joe Burrow. Even though I'm a fan of Joe Burrow. I'm trying to think of an NBA guy that I, that I like. I, I, Steph's okay. I think the Steph uh, fellatio gets a little bit too much for me, like especially a little bit of the older guys, who, which who I all respect. But it's like, Jesus, get off his dick one fucking time. Like, just stop sucking his dick for one time, please. I, I did the uh, the PC version, and then I did the PG, third, uh, the R-rated version, really there. But still, like, I just, I, I like Steph, but it, again, it's it's tough to root really for anybody in the NBA other than Giannis Antetokounmpo, because I think of all of this sort of player fan stuff. Jokic, for me, was really hard until the finals. And I, I think, well, if it was Boston, I would have rooted for Jokic too. I was trying to think if there was like a team would I have rooted against Jokic? Probably not, honestly, because I, I hate Boston, I hate Miami, I hate Philadelphia. So no, there would not have been a team that I would have rooted against Jokic for. And then I started appreciating Jokic more and started to feel not necessarily bad about how I, how I acted about Jokic during the season, but it, it definitely was a different mindset. Now, when Jokic plays Giannis, I'm going to be back at fucking hating on Jokic because that's what we should do because not only are we Bucks fans, we are Giannis fans. We are not Giannis fans and then Bucks fans. People who will be a Giannis fan and jump to another team is so weird. I've said before that I don't think the people who became Jets fans, then Vikings fans, following around Brett Favre, and maybe Brett Favre was the start of this, you can't not consider that, right? Like that was before LeBron. And I, I do wonder, was Brett Favre the start of all of this? Maybe it's Joe Montana, if we really want to go go back. But remember, that Niners team was so good. And then they win a Super Bowl with, you know, Joe Montana still playing. I mean, there was a world, if I'm not mistaken, in 1994, you'd have to look at this up. But I'm pretty sure that Young and Montana had the number one seeds in the AFC and NFC and that they were headed for a collision course. And then the Kansas City Chiefs, who used to be notorious chokers, choked all over their lunch and lost 13-3 to the Indianapolis Colts in the division round in one of the worst losses of all time in terms of playoffs. Like a generational loss that will just get memory hold because the Chiefs now have two Super Bowls. But that was a really bad thing back in the day. But we got sidetracked here. 
So I, I have a longstanding belief that those who were Favre fans, who, tra- who were Jets fans and then they were Vikings fans. The Vikings stuff to me is like a bridge too far. If you were a Jets fan for a year, I guess I could accept that. But if you were a fucking Vikings fan and you had a Brett Favre jersey, you should never be allowed back in Lambeau Field. You should never be able to step foot there. You should never have been able to wear a fucking jersey. That is a rival. That should never be allowed. If Giannis were to go to the Celtics and you were at the Pfizer Forum with a goddamn Celtics jersey, I feel the exact same way. You have to be a Bucks fan first, all right? I'm sorry to gatekeep on this. I'm sorry to get ranty. I'm sorry to get preachy. But it's about the Milwaukee Bucks. It's not about the player. I love Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, has done great things for me. The run in 2021 in the summer, I will forever remember. We're coming up on the second anniversary of it here in a couple weeks. I will, all the vibes, all the good feelings will come back. You know, I posted the review that I did after, you know, the game seven win uh, on Twitter. And that was so fun to watch back. It was so fun to see it and me just yelling into the TV. And it was the day before Father's Day. And I was like, fuck Brooklyn, fuck Atlanta. And I, and I think I called it a war. And then my father, I think at that time, yeah, we soon to be father-in-law was making fun of me like... And, and just busted my balls about it, which for good reason, right? I, I definitely, definitely deserved it. It was a little intense. I had had a lot of beers. There was a lot of nervous drinking beers for that game. But I, I just think that you have to cheer for the team. The team, the team, the team matters before the player. And I'm not really going to come off that. I think that's, that's what you cheer for. Cheering for players is is all right, but it's not a really good way to fan. Again, as Shafty pointed out, you're just just a celebrity fan. You're the male version of a Swifty. Know that and believe that. And uh, hope hope that sits well with you. Because I, I don't know. I feel like if I was one of those, I, I don't think that would sit well with me. But you really are. That That's what you are. So... Just a reminder to those who 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 are who do that. Although I hope I hope not a ton do it here. Like I hope that we don't have a bunch that are uh, in our in our midst. But I'm sure there are Giannis fans who listen to this podcast who might be upset at me. Oh, that's okay. Uh, we'll 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 move on. And I, I'd open dialogue. Like right? tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on on Instagram. I I just think that this is not something you should should at least have a hometown team. And if, you know, your hometown team is the Denver Nuggets or it's the, that's a bad example, but I, I'm trying to think, Houston Rockets, right? Like, you're just like, I'm cheering for Giannis because I need to need to have someone in the playoffs. So I'm, I love Giannis, cheering for Giannis. But when he plays the Rockets, I want the Rockets to win. Totally okay with that. That's my Joe Burrow example, basically as in a nutshell. That, sh- that should, how, should be how it is. But some go just Giannis and they'll follow Giannis wherever it goes. I hate that. I just, I really do. But I don't think you have to worry about not following Giannis. So maybe you just end up being a Bucks fan after Giannis retires. All right, really quickly, uh, we're running out of time, but I, I did want to talk about this Marquette story and some of the summer notes uh, that I was able to gather from an excellent piece by CJ Moore, The Athletic, 
Uh, gets a lot of shit for some different things, but they do a really good job covering Marquette. They, they also do a pretty good job covering the Packers, and some of their other stuff is left left to be desired. But I think uh, C.J. Moore wrote a really good piece about how you know Shock Smart yet again is bucking the transfer portal. How he doesn't necessarily see the benefit in the transfer portal. He sees the benefit in relationships, growth. And victory, I believe, is the third. It's RGV. I think that's how how it was. Or value, excuse me. Yeah, my Marquette boys are going to kill me. I have to have that, like, embedded. I feel like you need that, like, tattooed at this point to have those three three things. But I, I really do think that this is important. And I, I, I do think it matters. And I, I think they are so big on, you know, sort of the culture that they have built at Marquette. And it seems like it is building so much more. It seems like it is sort of getting, oh, it is victory. I, I was right. I should have went with my, my original gut. My apologies on that. But yeah, I, it's it's building, man. And you read this article and similar to the Packers ready to start Sunday, like let's tip off Marquette on Tuesday, can we? It just seems like there is a vibe to them of unfinished business that they are not really scared of the hype that's going to come with them that the moment is not going to be too big for, for them. I think Chaka Smart is working on getting that sour taste of the NCAA tournament out of their mouth. I think they all feel like they left something on the table. Like Cam Jones talked about you know, how they were the last team to beat the national champion team in UConn and how that is really motivating for them, as it should. Uh, you know, I talk about it. I don't know if I've said it on a pod recently, but... It's always nice when you beat the, you get beat by the champion because it, it does make you think, well, were we not that good? I do think that if Marquette and UConn met again, I don't know, that run for UConn was special, but Marquette really had a good game plan against them. And I think they're going to continue that. And I think one of the things for UConn next season will be how do we figure out Marquette? Like that has to be part of their their season for next year and they have a real shot at a title defense they have a very good team coming back next year even without Sonogo even without uh, Jordan Hawkins and Andre Jackson who's now with us in, at the Milwaukee Bucks but still they have talent and they've they've dipped into the portal and everything else and so I'm not discounting UConn next season but it does seem like Marquette not only is fueled by the failure of last year but also that people are getting better. Cam Jones wants to be a better finisher. I already thought Cam Jones was pretty good as a finisher last season. Stevie Mitchell wants to become more of a playmaker on offense. I love that. I, Stevie is as good of a glue guy as there is. I, Omax was a solid glue guy. Omax did a lot. But Stevie Mitchell, when he really turned it up defensively, it was a joy. I mean, I think... <sighs> Fans who aren't, people who aren't fans of Marquette should be jealous that I would get to watch Stevie Mitchell and Drew Holiday just punish guys on the perimeter all, all winter long. It was probably one of my favorite things. And now that Stevie wants to get better offensively, that's great. And I hope he does. And I, I think he will. I mean, the guy works his ass off. And if he can be a little more of a reliable offensive threat, give it to me all day. David Joplin has lost some weight, really working on his conditioning. I was on this, by the way. I, I don't I think I tweeted about it. I, I I don't think I actually talked about it on a pod, but I noticed it when he threw out the first pitch for the Brewers, like the Marquette night, I think against the Oakland Athletics. I was like, holy shit, David Joplin's in shape. 
Like David Joppa looks like a dude here. And Joppa was already good good offensively. I mean, he has a, as good of a three-point shot as there is in college basketball, in my opinion. But now if Jopp can do a little bit more, he can play a little more defense. He now gets inserted into that starting lineup. And as more pointed out, there isn't a huge sample, but they were averaging, you know, 126 over 100 possessions. You know, that's a solid, that's like best in the NBA type shit. And so if that's the limit offensively, and if you're able to find a little more on the defensive side with Joplin. Now that he's lost a little bit of weight and he's this brick shithouse that can guard small fours and can guard threes, sign me up. Similar with Osawa Gidara learning how to shoot three pointers. If Osawa Gidara adds like a Brooke Lopez thing to his game, I don't know why I'm using so many Bucks comparisons. Uh, must just be on the brain with free agency coming up. But if like he can be a trail three every now and again, just drilling one, do you know how good, how unstoppable that makes Marquette? Do you know how many, you know, things that are added to Tyler Kolick's arsenal in terms of passing the ba- basketball? Marquette is going to be really fucking good. And I, I, I know that their schedule's tough. I know it is, but... This is as excited as I've been for a Marquette season that I can remember. I, I don't I don't know if there's one that I can I can compare it to. Maybe maybe that you know the sophomore or junior year when you know James and McNeil and Matthews came back. I'd have to have to look back. I mean, maybe that's something we could do as a as a project when we get closer to the season. And but yeah, it's it's gonna be fun, man. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And I am so tempted to go to Maui. I don't think it's in a budget. I really don't. But I would love to go to Maui. And would love to spend three days there and then wake up 7 a.m., watch Packers against the Lions, and then fly home Thanksgiving Day or, or Black Friday. That would be the dream there. And if your boy was made of money and your boy had the, had the funds... We'd be doing it. And I'd be trying to get credentialed. I would, I'd, I would go all out. like, But I'd probably go with my wife. So I, I don't know if she could get credentialed. We'd, ha- we'd have to figure it out. We'd have to make it all work. But yeah, I would. Man, I love Hawaii. I think that's part of it too. Like I, I definitely think like Hawaii is in my top you know places. I saw someone today. I think it was from the Atlantic. Because of course it was. Where they're like, travel's overrated. And I saw some social media guy agree with it. Like, fuck you. Like, guys... Traveling, you you just need to, you don't need to travel far, but you just need to sometimes get away from life a little bit. And that's okay. I understand the wanderlust and the whole like, you know, we have to do a European vacation or we have to do this. No, you don't have to do any of that. Just need to sometimes get away from life. You need to get away from the bullshit and you need to be able to not, not be in your bubble. That's okay. That's, that's good to expand your bubble. It's good to break out of your bubble a little bit every now and again. All right, so I, I sidetracked there at the end, but man, oh man, I am, I'm excited for this Marquette season and uh, I'm really looking forward to it and definitely think it won't be the last time we talk about Marquette. Also, another guy I forgot to mention, uh, who my guy Dan Mach mentioned, Ben Gold, uh, that they're really kind of, they're, they see they see it there with Ben Gold as well. I told him Gold Island has a nice ring to it. Um, I, I would say that I would also uh, punch a ticket to Gold Island. Why not, right? So yeah, had to mention Benny Gold before I signed off for the week um, as a soloist uh, because I'll be joined by Shaken tomorrow for keg jams. I will be joined by Mitch for a tapping the keg on Thursday. And then 
I will be joined again by Mitch on Saturday morning if we need to. For some reason, we don't need to. We won't do it. But we're assuming that we're going to have some Bucks news to talk about. We'll do an instant reaction pod. I'm sure we'll mention what happened with the Brewers on Friday night too, because why not? Uh, but yeah, it, it'll be a lot of fun this week. I'm, I'm getting excited. Uh, it's good time of year, even though there's not a lot going on. Uh, I'm excited to talk to my dudes uh, the rest of the week. And then I'll be back solo sometime next week. Uh, I don't have the official date. I think it's really going to depend on how everything shakes out NBA-wise. So stay tuned on that and take care of yourself. Have a great Tuesday. Let's get after it. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. See you. Bye.